Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, May 15th. Coming up, Kansas City's once-a-decade process for reviewing the nuts and bolts of how it governs itself will come to a head this week, just five weeks after it started. Why the rush? And what might the Charter Review Commission try to change? We'll find out. But first, our weekly look at news in state government and politics on both sides of the state line. Starting in Missouri, where the General Assembly on Friday staggered and stumbled its way to the end of this year's legislative session, the trouble, as is becoming an annual tradition, was in the Senate. Numerous bills, including some of the supermajority Republican leadership's top priorities, got bottled up by just a handful of their Republican colleagues tying up Senate business. One of those was Senator Bill Eigel of Weldon Spring, who's running for governor next year. Unhappy that his bill cutting property taxes wasn't first on the agenda, he started a filibuster that eventually ended with an adjournment. By midday on the Senate floor Friday, Majority Leader Cindy O'Laughlin couldn't hold back her frustration. We're not all running for governor, so we are trying to do things in an orderly fashion, and we cannot continue to have this chaos. But chaos did continue and left some top Republican priorities to die on the Senate calendar, including measures to reduce personal property taxes in Missouri and to increase the threshold for ballot measures that would amend the state constitution. A bipartisan effort to legalize sports betting, which lawmakers labored over to reach a deal throughout the last week of the session, also couldn't ever get to a vote. Still, some legislation did make it to the finish line just under the wire as lawmakers passed the second bill of the week extending Medicaid benefits for new mothers. As Sarah Kellogg reports, both bills will still require some Medicaid patients to be removed before the new program can go into effect. Members of the Missouri House voted 116 to 40 to pass the legislation that the Senate approved a week ago. The bill allows for new moms on MoHealthNet or the Show Me Healthy Babies program to continue receiving those benefits for a full year postpartum. Democratic Representative Lakeisha Bosley said the bill would help Missourians across the state. This is a Missouri issue, and we're doing all that we can to protect Missourians and Missouri's women as well as those babies. However, the program cannot move forward until the number of ineligible Medicaid participants removed exceeds the number of people projected to enroll in the new program by at least 100. That is estimated to be around 4,700 people. But it was the bills earlier in the week that targeted the transgender community, including bans on trans students playing sports or gender-affirming care for minors, that will perhaps be the most discussed actions of this session. The general tenor of the year's debates took a toll, it seemed, on lawmakers, including Representative Jamie Johnson, a Democrat from Kansas City's Northland, who asked for a moment of personal privilege Friday morning. Why can't we just lift people up without disparaging remarks about other people? I am really tired, Lord Jesus, I am tired today of being of people who are so preoccupied with other people's lifestyles and who they love and who they want to be and what they feel their limits are and what types of money they can get from things that people are doing. I am tired and I need to say to this body, just stop, leave us alone. Meanwhile, on the Kansas side, Governor Laura Kelly late Friday afternoon vetoed two controversial measures passed by the legislature in its final days before adjournment last month. 
One bill would have restricted the secretary of the Kansas Department of Health and Environment from enforcing testing and quarantines for infectious diseases and would have banned the state from requiring the COVID-19 vaccine for school kids. The other bill proposed almost a dozen tax cuts. As Blaise Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports, the proposed cuts in that measure would have cost $80 million a year. The bill would have created tax credits for donating to controversial pregnancy resource centers and cut taxes for businesses that compete with government services, like a health club, when those businesses are near government agencies. Kelly says so many tax proposals were bundled that it was hard to see which ones were good and which were bad. But she says the bill overall would bail out businesses and hurt everyday Kansans. The Republican-controlled state legislature passed a slew of tax cuts because the state has a $2 billion budget surplus. Unless there's a special session, Republican lawmakers won't have a chance to consider overriding Kelly's vetoes. We'll be right back. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. Once a decade, a group is appointed to review Kansas City's charter, sort of a constitution that sets up all the city's governance structures. Some years they recommend a lot of changes, some years not so many. Usually the whole process takes months. But not this year. This time, Mayor Quentin Lucas wants the Charter Review Commission to finish its work in five weeks, even as they consider some pretty big changes to city government. I spoke with Josh Merchant, who's been covering this for the Kansas City Beacon. I asked them why the mayor was saying he wanted this work done so quickly. The thing that's kind of interesting, the mayor's recommendations for the Charter Review all have to do, some of them have to do with recalls and some of them have to do with election calendar. Um, And so if they're approved, that would change the process for recalling city council members. And also it could extend their uh, term by about five months. And so it'd be kind of a bad luck for the city council to vote on their own term and their own recall process. So he's trying to get all of those requirements in before the new city council comes in on August 1st. So it's so that this council, the outgoing council, is the one that makes these votes. Yes. Yeah. So they want the the outgoing council to make those votes before uh, the new council comes in. So remind us about the Charter Review Commission. How does that get appointed? How many people are on that? How does that work? Yeah, so it's required to happen every single 10 years. Um, And so every 10 years, the mayor appoints a group of nine people to the Charter Review Commission, one for every single city council district, and then three who represent the city at large. Um, And they discuss proposed changes to the charter. The mayor can submit recommendations, but all of the decisions are ultimately up to the, the Review Commission. And they can change, they can suggest changing nothing at all, or they can suggest huge overhauls of the charter. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could possibly suggest changing nothing at all, but um, they consider each of these individual recommendations and each of these individual suggestions, they can approve them, which will be approved individually by city council and place as individual, uh, individual items on the ballot. And so the city council can stop any of their proposals before they ever go to the voters. Right, right. The city council can stop them and the voters don't necessarily have to approve them either. 
So we already know that uh, some of Mayor Lucas's ideas for how the charter should be changed have been set aside. They're not happening this year. What were those? Yeah, so that was a, a change to the Parks Board. Um, they were going to. So the Parks Board is a very old uh, department in Kansas City. It's been overseen by a mayor-appointed board for 130 years. Wow. He wanted to put it under the city manager's office, like and, so many other departments. Right, right. Uh, just like any other department in Kansas City, um, but. Influential people in the parks department showed up in droves. Um, basically, everyone who's important in in the parks showed up and said, "This is a bad idea." So the mayor withdrew it, and the commission's not considering it anymore. Um, and they also withdrew a recommendation for uh, moving the election dates to even years. Um, the intention was to to improve voter turnout because that would be when we're voting on congressional and presidential right. Uh, candidates. Right, right. August and November in in like twenty twenty two was congressional. Um, but the election board, actually, all three election boards in Kansas City showed up and they said this is actually not going to improve voter turnout. People don't turn over the ballot. They don't vote on the last things. Interesting. Okay. So then what is left, a lot of it's about city elections. I know one change that the commission is already recommending to the council uh, involves ensuring that the order of names on the ballot is random. But there's some other pretty significant changes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few changes to initiative petitions and recalls and referendums. Um Basically, they're based off of um, the voter turnout in the mayor's election. Um, but the problem there that the mayor sees and some of the commission members see is that it's inconsistent. It varies pretty wildly from year to year. Um, for example, the 2019 had really high voter turnout, but this year might not have as high a voter turnout. So instead of basing it on the last mayoral election, they want to set a minimum threshold for initiative petitions and for recalls so that it, it's consistently more than 4,000 signatures, I think, is the number required. And what would that number be typically right now? I think the, the threshold would be 4,000. Um, the requirement for initiative petitions is like 5% of voter turnout, which, if I remember correctly, for this year was like 3,300. So not um, so different. Yeah, n not too crazy. Um, the recall, I think, threshold is going a little bit higher. I'm not sure exactly what that number is. How about as far as the, the way elections are conducted, what time of year or even uh, how we vote as a city? They, they're, they're talking about some pretty significant changes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the big ones is um, they want to change... They're thinking of changing the April-June election calendar to August-November. So primary would be in August, and the general election, the final one, would be in November. Right, right. And that's how it works in a lot of other local cities. And the thought there is that they want to increase voter turnout. And more people might show up if they know that it's election season, i.e. November, um, although it's not totally clear that that would work. Um, and then the other idea is uh, moving to approval voting, which is basically if if a candidate receives more than fifty percent during the primary, they would be declared the winner of the general, and they would they would cancel the general election. And so this would be important for like races where there might be two candidates, or if there's only one candidate, they're they're presumed winner, and they don't need to hold an election in the general. It adds a lot of importance to that August primary that right. some people ignore. Right in in the current system. Right, and so you know, for example, if there's a three-way primary where you know the winner gets fifty-two percent, and then the next candidate gets you know forty percent, and then the last candidate gets you know eight percent or something, then the the general election would be canceled because someone got more than fifty. There's also talk about ranked choice voting, which is popular in some parts of the country, but we don't have it here. Yeah, yeah. So there's a group in Kansas City, Better Ballot KC, who's been showing up pretty reliably to every single commission meeting and every single listening session, a group of eight or nine people offering public comment. Um, I'm not totally clear on how exactly it works, but 
essentially you have, so you have a list of five candidates. You would rank them one to five, which one's your favorite, which one's your least favorite. And then the, the election board would be simulating sort of a runoff to pick which candidate is generally the favorite. They drop off the least popular candidates one by one and, and assign their votes to their next choice. Right, right. That's correct. So, it's, uh, a lot of a lot of cities are using it. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if the if this commission goes for it. Yeah, there's a question I think um, about whether it actually is compatible with um, Missouri's state election law. There's a chapter 115 which I think might be causing problems in St. Louis with their uh, style of approval voting. But there's been some talk at the commission about whether or not ranked choice voting would actually be viable in the state of Missouri without uh, an actual like constitutional amendment statewide. Okay, so all of these things are being considered all in kind of a hurry. Let's, yeah. let's circle back to this timeline that the mayor wants all this to happen on. Uh, the The commission will consider the changes to recommend to the city council. When will that happen? So that'll happen tomorrow night at the... Uh, a Charter Review Commission meeting in City Hall um, on the 10th floor. There's one more listening session tonight. Um, there is talk still of potentially extending the timeline. They've heard resounding public comment. I think at last week's listening session, there were like nine people who said that they thought that the timeline was a problem. Um, and there's one person on the commission in particular, Wilson Vance, has been pretty vocal about wanting to extend the timeline. They have kicked the ball down the road a few times, um, and the final decision seems like it'll be happening tomorrow night. And then the city council has to act when? Uh, they have one week, um, and then they will need to act by May 25th to approve all of the, the recommended changes in order to get it on the August ballot. Voters, of course, get the final say. Yeah, voters get the final say. That was Josh Merchant. They cover City Hall for the Kansas City Beacon. As Josh noted, the third and probably final public listening session on the Charter Review is tonight at the Greg Slice Community Center, that's a block north of 18th and Vine, at 6 p.m. The next meeting of the Charter Review Commission will be tomorrow at 5 p.m. at City Hall. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast is produced by Paris Norvell and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. Keep up with all the news, political and otherwise, affecting the Kansas City Metro with Kansas City's NPR station at kcur.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute.